Welcome to Affinia, a community of thousands of cybersecurity executives and vendors. In this show, we interview senior go-to-market leaders to find new actionable tactics, insightful tips, and best strategies. For more information, check out Affinia.com. And now, welcome to the show. Mandeep, thank you so much for joining us today. As we begin, can you say a few words about uh, your current role and what you've been up to? Yeah, thank you for having me, Misha. So I'm the Chief Marketing Officer for SecureAuth, as you can see in my background. Um, and I've been with the company for a couple of years, and uh, I've been in cybersecurity for about 21 years now. Oh, wow. Amazing. And uh, in your role as a CMO, what kind of functions report to you? Yeah, so obviously the all the functions in, in marketing, right, from product marketing, customer marketing, content, demand gen, and BDRs. Mm -hmm. But my role is a little bit interesting because I do more than a CMO. So I'm also managing channels and alliances as well. So it's kind of mm. a broadened role. Um, so it makes it obviously more interesting and more challenging at the same time. Certainly. Certainly. And how big is cha channel for you? Uh, pretty big. I mean, we are a channel-first company. So I would say, you know, roughly from renewals point of view, we're getting about maybe 50 60% um, or even more uh, coming from channel. Uh, for new mm -hmm. bookings, uh, we're getting to about 40% as well. So... Uh, so it's pretty significant. You know, I, uh, I, I, I'm a huge channel believer and, and I've always believed in channel first and, and it does help us a lot. Certainly. And you mentioned BDR. It's actually interesting. I was, uh, I, when, when we talk to CMOs, sometimes BDRs report to up to marketing, sometimes it's sales. So uh, in the industry, there's a little bit of a discussion as to what, what's, what is the proper way. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what's your thinking around yeah. that? Yeah, it's roughly I think 50-50 in the industry. Sometimes it goes up and down between the say, between sales and marketing. And I've had both models uh, in my my background, but and I've also managed sales, right? So I can kind of uh, understand that piece of it. Uh, my personal belief is that it's better to have that in marketing, mainly because it really puts the onus on marketing to provide the right um, quality opportunities to sales, right? Um, if I do a full turnkey. And my team is really giving them the qualified meetings so that can be converted into mm -hmm. opportunities. That is the right way. You know, in the other model, it's easy for me to throw MQLs over and say, go figure it out, right? And and that's not really full ownership, right? So so I personally think, I mean, the both models can work, but I, I just think the having it in marketing gives the full uh, onus and responsibility on for marketing. It makes a lot of sense because if you think of um, customer journey uh, as 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 have other potential clients kind of travel through different steps. BDRs kind of sit between uh, identifying prospects who show intent, qualifying them and passing them on, setting up a meeting for AEs. So you can it can make an argument to your point in terms of ownership, which part of the journey lives with marketing from demand generation uh, mm -hmm. standpoint, and and which point lives with sales. And I think it's and as you said. Uh, there are different models in terms of where BDR team would sit as long as it's very clear what this uh, sales sell, uh, service agreement mm -hmm. is between sales and marketing, what the definitions are. Because I think a lot of it is the a lot of the yeah. argument is about definitions, right? What What is uh, the correct MQL? Well, if, yeah. if someone showed up at a webinar, signed up for a webinar, no showed, uh, is it worth passing this person along to sales or not? It's, I mean, it's, I think it's this in itself is a very interesting topic of the conversation. But I want to kind of double click on one thing that you mentioned. You, you mentioned that you, you you are in the industry for what you said twenty one years. That's that's fascinating. Mm -hmm. 
So you've seen a lot of things uh, through, through the years. How did, what was the starting point? I, I've noticed a number of interesting companies in your background. What was the first cybersecurity marketing role that kind of uh, was, the, was the entry point for you? Yeah, no, for me, it was a very con conscious decision. So I was, you know, VP of Worldwide Marketing for a CRM software company and another business uh, software before that, right? So, and I wanted to go into cybersecurity because I, I just felt not not just from career, you know, hey, I'll have a job forever because of cybersecurity. That's, that was the intent. I just liked that whole area. And I just felt that there was so much potential for doing the right type of marketing in cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. So I ended up joining a large company at that time. I actually took a couple of steps below CMO role just mm -hmm. to join cybersecurity. And that, you know, that is hard to do because uh, if no one has gone through that before, it's it's painful because all of a sudden you're working in a couple of roles underneath someone who, and you have more experience than them. It makes it very hard, but I, it was worth it for me because it was, you know, I was learning about the cybersecurity industry. You got to put, mm -hmm. put aside the ego and just learn as much as, as you can. And then after that, you know, I ended up in various security companies and I pretty much, I think, covered most security companies now, email, mm -hmm. uh, network, cloud, application security, uh, mobile security, and identity twice now. This is my, my first foray was in identity at Verisign and mm -hmm. now I'm back in identity, right? It's after 20 years, so it's interesting. Interesting, interesting. And from kind of, from that experience, from that background, from that vantage point, what would be your advice for some of the junior professionals maybe also looking to transition from technology marketing to cybersecurity marketing, or maybe even more upstream of that, what are the two, three things in your view they should focus on? This show is brought to you by Athenia, where we host one-on-one -on -one virtual executive briefings between cybersecurity subject matter experts like yourself and thousands of CISOs in our community. To host a briefing of your own, go to Athenia.com and click sign up or click the link in the show notes. Now, back to the show. Yeah, I think, look, cybersecurity uh, is a very clicky space, right? And it's very unique in a lot of respects because I know I, I came from different business application marketing to cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So what I would recommend is because you have to have some technical chops, right? I mean, it's it's not just, um, you're not marketing to marketers, you're marketing to a very technical audience all the way from CISOs down to VPs and director and manager mm -hmm. and architects, right? Who will actually question your your presence and your, um, you know, your knowledge, right? So, mm -hmm. so what I would recommend is, first of all, if you want to go into cybersecurity and marketing, you have to know why you're doing that. Not again, like I said, not just because of job security, right? Uh, that's not, that should not be the driver. I think if you really like love cybersecurity, if you like the passion of what's going on there, and how you can be creative and and positioning your solution in the right way, that would be one reason. Mm -hmm. uh, and what I would recommend is obviously start on the product, product marketing side, if you can, and get involved in associations. So, you know, I was a, a chapter leader for OWASP, uh, the Open Web Application Security Project, mm -hmm. uh, even though I was a CMO, um, and, and usually they don't like marketing folks coming in. But but I was part of that, and because I was providing thought leadership, uh, you have to know not to do product pitches, you know, those types of things. So you learn from joining OWASP, SANS, uh, ISACA, you know, there are a number of different associations, get involved with them, mm -hmm. understand, uh, you know, from the community what's going on, uh, from just sharing knowledge. Mm -hmm. uh, that would, I think, help in preparing for uh, for the, um, a good marketing role because then you know not to do product pitches because CISOs hate that. It's all about our leadership. 
you know, it's mm-hmm. all about uh, sharing the knowledge, right? So certainly, certainly. And from from that perspective, how based on what you said, how important is it to be technical? I, I won't say you have to be a coder, right? But I think just technical have 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 some technical chops, right? You have to know. Uh, you know, what's the difference between application security, network security, cloud security, and other security, right? And and within mm-hmm. that, what is the general operation? What is the value prop, right? Because there are 2,500 plus security companies out there, right? So you have to stand out. Uh, and each space has hundreds and hundreds of companies, each domain mm-hmm. within cybersecurity. So you have to know how to explain your value prop, uh, taking the technical piece of it, understanding it, understanding it but then simplifying it from a value prop perspective for your audience. Mm-hmm. That is the trick, right? So if you don't understand the base, you don't have the foundation, foundational knowledge from a technical perspective, it'll be kind of a little difficult to explain it in a, in a simplified way. I see. I see. It makes sense. Because it's, um, at the end of the day, you, you may not have to write code, but you need to be able to explain, you need to, you need to be able to talk with gravitas and, and understanding yeah. to people who do, who are way more technical. So it certainly it certainly helps just not necessarily to be um, kind of practitioner, but at least to understand conceptually what it means. It certainly exactly. makes a lot of sense. Um, when I think of marketing, I, I hear the saying, there, there are no silver bullets in this business, which to me, the, what, the way I take it is that there is no one true, uh, one, one source of whether it's prospects or deals or leads, it's usually a variety of different sources. So the way I think of marketing is a toolbox and there are different mm-hmm. tools and some of them are more expensive than others and some of them are bigger than others. Sometimes a uh, tool is you know, actively used and then other times it's not used as much. So uh, in your marketing toolbox, mm-hmm. what tools are off used the most often? Is it is it conferences? Is it is it outbound i mean you mentioned the bdr team is it um content generation and syndication what's 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 one what's couple tools in your toolbox that that you lean on the most these days this show is brought to you by Athenia, where we host one-on-one virtual executive briefings between cybersecurity subject matter experts like yourself and thousands of cso's in our community to host a briefing of your own go to afinia.com and click sign up or click the link in the show notes now, back to the show. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a really good question because you know this, this things change over time, and also with the economy being good or bad, right, it makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. But in general, I would say for in cybersecurity space, I find that events are probably the best ROI. Mm-hmm. And and by events, I don't mean necessarily large events like RSA or Black Hat, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, they may or may not work. I mean, in some cases, it might work if you do it creatively. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm talking about roundtable events, um, you know, 15 to 20 CISOs at dinner, uh, just talking about some thought leadership topic uh, around mm-hmm. your domain. Um, or like in my case, like identity specific events like Gartner Show has worked really well for us, right? So so there's certain types of events. And the reason I say that is because really in, in cybersecurity, the relationships matter. I mean, in any domain, relationships matter, but cybersecurity, especially more so, mm-hmm. because once you meet someone in person and you explain the value prop and you have this relationship and you build credibility, it's much easier to follow up with them and say, hey, remember we talked, you know, uh, let's talk some more, right? So it just makes it easier. The, the second piece I would say is um, from, a, from a toolbox perspective, 
is channel. You know, it's uh, channel and alliance partners are huge. Um, you know, because you can do a lot of things with them from joint go to market perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have their own database. They have their own prospects. And if you have some common theme and common value proposition, it's one plus one equals eleven. You know, it's a much better value proposition, right? So, mm-hmm. so those two things are working. I've tried online ads, LinkedIn, everything, and I just don't see the ROI as much, frankly. Uh, only because, yeah, it's you know, in some industries those things work, uh, SEM or even LinkedIn ads and those types of things. In cybersecurity, um, it's tougher. Uh, I think you have to uh, have a lot more numbers uh, to really follow up on before you get results. Interesting. Interesting. I I just came back from a cybersecurity marketing conference in Austin. uh, Oh, yeah. A week ago. It was it was fascinating. And a lot of uh, a lot of very interesting speakers. One of the presenters mentioned the scenario when in several companies prior to his current company, uh, a deal would come through and, and then they would rush to Salesforce to attribute. So there was the CMO and chief revenue officer and the channel mm-hmm. partner and the CMO would go to Salesforce and find out that it's attributed to the channel partner. And they're like, oh my God, I, I worked so much on this deal and now the channel is, is taking the credit. So he was, it was kind of making a point uh, that when when people are fighting for credit, it, it, it does make a very productive environment. From your ex- experience, it seems like channel is really working for you. What some of the best practices? What would be some of your advice on how to structure incentives for your channel team and the marketing team and, and the revenue and the sales team, so that the incentives are aligned in a way that everyone is working together on growing the top line, uh, lifting up the business rather than fighting over over kind of existing deal flow, existing pipeline, and and pushing the credit to themselves. Like, what would be your best? Uh, what would be your advice in this regard? Yeah, you know, if I count the number of hours I've spent on attribution issues, <laughs> I, I could literally write a book on it. Uh, no, look, I mean, it, it's it's all about the metrics and how how you create metrics within a company, right? To me, mm-hmm. I personally believe that it should be one go-to-market pipeline uh, metric, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and that should include marketing, sales, and channel. Of course, you have to keep track of it so you know roughly what percent, you know, because for planning, for example, if you know, that 50% of your pipeline needs to come from marketing, you need to plan based on that number, your demand gen, you know, how, what do you need for the top of the funnel? What's the conversion rate? You know, you have to be extreme quant, right? Mm-hmm. And when it comes to that. So you have to have numbers at a high level. But I think if you say, look, Mandeep is responsible for go-to-market pipeline and, and all the numbers, period. And, and then I can do internal sausage making, that's fine, right? And I can figure out, uh, you know, what attribution I need to have. That kind of avoids the conflict, um, but you, you know I can understand the ROIP, so you, that's why you have to keep track of the numbers for you know what is campaign generating versus channel generating. But okay. I think the best way to get rid of this is just say, look, there's one metric uh, we want to follow, and here's the owner of that, right? Whoever that is, whether it's me or CRO or whomever, right? Certainly, no, that's sense. how I, w- I would look at it. But um, no, it makes sense. It makes sense. I know some companies kind of draw the line in terms of whether it's geography or say, well, channel is responsible for enterprise accounts, but mid-size and SMBs would, will go direct. So there's kind of many, many different ways how to uh, address that. Yeah. And while we're in attribution, another interesting topic that often comes up uh, and actually did come up quite a bit during the conference is uh, attribution, not just 
in terms of which department internally is responsible is taking the credit, but also attribution in terms of what generated this sales opportunity uh, in the funnel in the first place. And uh, one of the terms I'm hearing more and more frequently is this idea of dark funnels, mm -hmm. meaning uh, that a lot of, in the past, most of the channels, you could see whether with the leaders consuming content, how they go through each stage of the customer journey and you can try to influence and put the relevant content in front of them, but you actually, you can see there's kind of visibility in, in that mm -hmm. journey. And nowadays um, there's a lot more uh, touch points. It could be maybe someone just passed by your RSA booth, mm -hmm. read the tagline, never stopped. You never scanned the badge. And then a few days later, this person had coffee with a colleague uh, outside of a session at, at, at the conference. And then a month later, they saw a conversation on a private Slack channel, none of which is attributable. And then they go to Google and type uh, secure uh, auth, and, and they, mm -hmm. they, they, go, they select, uh, I, I, want to, I want to get a demo. From your perspective, all you see is the direct search on Google. They requested a demo. Therefore, mm -hmm. we need to invest more in Google, obviously. But <laughs> you don't really see all those steps that happen outside of our, uh, we don't see, we don't see, we don't influence. Mm -hmm. uh, but even if we do, uh, if it's multi-touch and spread over time, how do you sign, how do you sign weights? It becomes a very tricky problem to the point where some people say, well, if it's bottom of the funnel, we can attribute and we track and, and we measure mm -hmm. everything above a certain point. We just don't bother. Um, but other, other people kind of try to find alternative ways to kind of get visibility in terms of attribution, different sources. What's, what's your thinking? How do you think about this very messy, um, potentially messy problem? Yeah, look, I mean, as new tools come into play, you know, things have become more complicated. But uh, like you said, the, the dark funnel, with, especially with six cents and intent pays, and we, we follow all that as well. But, but you're right. I mean, when someone comes in, we don't know where they're coming from. It could be from some brand awareness, from PR, whatever, right? So, so two things uh, we do. One is, and, and I've tried this with a number of different uh, companies. So we use a campaign influence report, right? So we give equal weightage to whenever, whatever the touch points were. So it just keeps it simple. You don't need to make it overly complicated because you know I'm trying to figure out what's working, what's not working at a high level, right? So, so that helps me kind of at least get a gauge on. Uh, which campaigns have been uh, fruitful for me, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the second piece is I always ask my BDRs to ask them, like if someone comes through the website, right? Or sends an email, the first time you talk to them, ask them, where did you hear about us? What motivated you to contact us, right? That to me is, yeah, exactly. That to me is goldmine, right? Because now we know, he, he, they, they might say, oh, you know, I saw you at RSA, you, got, you guys had the bus going around and, uh, and, and your messaging was awesome. And, and, mm -hmm. and so I kept you in mind and now we have a passwordless authentication project coming up and I thought of you, right? Whatever that is, I think it's really important to know that data um, because then I can feed that into other things, right, as well. So that's how we're managing it. I, it's not, there's no easy path mm -hmm. right, to management of that, but I think um, it, it's working fine for us that way. Certainly, certainly. Um... If, if we switching gears a little bit, I know there's a, a lot of different themes that are kind of passing through and it seems like 
every now and then there is kind of a new theme that emerges that captures everyone's attention. For a while, it was inbound. HubSpot pioneered the concept of inbound, and and then everyone was building, standing up inbound teams, and then um, and then they realized that only a small fraction of that converts. So mm -hmm. people then shifted. Well, we'll do large scale events, and everyone is uh, kind of double clicked and invested in Black Hat and RSA and Gartner events. And then COVID hit, and then everyone well. We can meet face to face. We're all going to do virtual webinars, and then it was it was the biggest thing. And you saw companies raising incredible amounts of money on just providing kind of Zoom like experience. Uh, it seems now it's it's AI is just capturing everyone's attention, and people trying to understand how AI will impact marketing, whether in terms of content generation or kind of amplifying efforts of existing teams. So uh, it's it's kind of easy to get wrapped around in the theme of the day so but you've seen it all over the years um, what's 12 months from now uh, cybersecurity marketers cybersecurity exe marketing executives what do you think will be talking about excited about or concerned about what are the what are some of the two three themes that I think will play out next 12 months in your view yeah, I think uh, maybe I can break it down into two different pieces. One yeah. is uh, from a, a tools point of view, and one is from uh, tools in general, and the other one is from cybersecurity point of view, right? So I think the tools point of view, I would say uh, 12 months from now, every CMO, every marketer has to live and breathe artificial intelligence. Interesting. There's no choice. I, I, you know, like I was telling my team, I, I've already asked them to start using at least for two use cases a month, uh, some AI tool, and show me the productivity of that. Um, because look, and it's not, and I keep telling them, it's not the AI that's gonna take your job. It's someone who's using AI that's gonna take your job, right? So how can you be more efficient? How can you really leverage AI tools to do a lot, lot better job, a lot bigger job, a lot more right work? Um, so that's one piece. And I think that's coming, that's here, and it's gonna just keep getting better and better and better. So we have to be prepared for it not just for content, but for, you know, like even running campaigns, um, you know, pipeline. I mean, there's all, all kinds of things you can create now. And I've been using it myself personally. Mm -hmm. The second piece on the cybersecurity piece, I would say from marketing point of view, what's going to happen more and more is ransomware. Um, of, of course, identity-based attacks. And I'm not saying that because I'm, I'm an identity, but it's just, it's an 80% of attacks are happening right now through identity, and that's going to be continue to be the weakest link. So mm -hmm. I think those two, uh, from a cybersecurity point of view, so as marketers, I think we need to be aware of uh, those kind of vectors that, that are being attacked at, mm -hmm. but also hackers are starting to use AI, right? So, I mean, there are now AI tools that can actually help them guess passwords. Um, you know, literally, I mean, there's a site, I won't mention it because I don't want everyone to know. <laughs> Uh, but they can literally get, get passwords and attack you, right? So, so I think we have to keep co be cognizant of that as well. Well, I, I see tools that spoof the voice. So, uh, actually, yeah. uh, I, I mentioned uh, a while back um, in another conversation that I think in one of, uh, during one of the webinars, one of the use cases uh, it was uh, a female executive, a chief marketing officer uh, of a of a technology company. And it was a call to the tech uh, support desk with her voice. Uh, oh, hey, I'm an Uber. I'm 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 running late for this meeting, and I need to get I need to access my presentation. 
uh, give me a by bypass code. I get again speaking with authority. There's background noises. There's car, car cars honking, and then she's irritated, and she's like, "I need it now." And and so the tech obviously they're uh, conditioned to help. So in, in it kind of it goes to prove the point that with enough technology, uh, humans are can be fooled. And it was just scary to me to see. And this was a while back. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's just scary to see what kind of exploits are uh, out there and just uh, ready to be deployed. So to your point, there is, uh, I think there will be job security yeah. for cybersecurity marketers. Uh, <clears throat> as we, uh, we, we're coming up on time a little bit. One one question that comes up a lot is, um, and it's again from, we, we kind of bridge the two worlds. On the one hand, we work a lot with cybersecurity uh, or companies. On the other hand, we work with uh, uh practitioners like CISOs, VP, director level, cybersecurity executives. Mm -hmm. And RSA and Black had kind of a big events, uh, probably the largest events uh, on par with Gartner. And one thing that's um, sometimes is confusing, it seems like the messaging is is blurring. Um, mm -hmm. At some point it was zero, everything was zero <laughs> trust. Uh, I think now next next uh, RSA, everything's gonna be AI. We uh, no. Our solution is AI enabled. So with this, um, comes the question and it's it's kind of part of the point that you raise is how to convey value in a way that's not just better than other solutions but different and uh, from your perspective what will be some of the best ways to do that yeah i think so look i i, I have a lot of CISO friends and i love the CISO community and a lot of vps of information security have become friends over time and you know i've helped them they've helped me right um and one complaint they always have is that the the language that marketers use for to show their solution is awful. I mean, it's so confusing. It's all buzzword compliant and really doesn't communicate. You know how are you solving my problem, right? So I think the one word that I would uh, use is simplify. Mm. That is the golden rule uh, because this clearly state how are you solving their problem, and I think they'll be happy, right? I don't go into all kinds of buzzy words, right? And that that's their number one complaint. I mean, every time I talk to some CISO, they're like, why can't marketers just simplify what they're trying to do for me? And so I think that would be my recommendation is like, keep it simple and explain exactly what you're delivering. It's, it's, it's very, I think it's a very good, very good, very good advice. Um, Mandeep, I know we're coming up on time. Uh, thank you for being so generous with your with your advice and your thought leadership. Uh, what's the best way for people to find you? So best way is always LinkedIn. I'm also on uh, uh, Twitter. My handle is at app security because, mm -hmm. you know, my, a long time ago I was in app security when it was early on. So I was able to get that handle. So, so I can be reached there or LinkedIn always is the best source, but uh, thank you for giving the opportunity to spend, spend some time with you, Misha. I enjoyed it. Absolutely. And hopefully we'll get to meet face to face as a, at one of those events. I would love that. Thank you. Thank you.